coming to you from the world of AV programming and control with James King. I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. Hey, James, it's good to be back with you. It's great to be back, Steve. How's it going? It's going pretty well. It's, uh, I think our project is moving along quite nicely, and um, we're having some fun doing it, and I hope that others are enjoying it just as much. Uh, today, we wanted to talk a little bit about the whole concept of no touch. It's been a bigger name these days in the, the, the idea that uh, COVID has talk, taught us that uh, touching things is not always the best thing to do. And uh, in the world of control and, and uh, user interfaces, touching is part of what we do. So um, the no touch brings into the idea, brings into the conversation, the idea of using other means to get your system working. And that can be sensors and, and that can also be done with uh, voice. There, there are several different ways that we can look at that. Uh, so I don't know if you've had any hands-on experience with any of these, but I know we could talk a little bit about some of the pros and cons or what goes into it when it comes to programming a system where there's no touch? Uh, yeah, I personally have not had any experience. Um, we haven't had a request for any of that. I have thought about it and wouldn't mind looking more into it when time permits or a request comes in. Uh, I think the biggest one that concerns me is the voice control one um, because I, I see a lot of benefit to it, but I see a lot of hurdles and negativity with it as well. Uh, it definitely introduces a different perspective into the conversation and a different dynamic. And I, and I, I know that, one of the first questions is certainly security, but then there's also the other aspects of, of being able to have a system be contained and having the voices recognizable and the reliability of it. Uh, there's, I can imagine in a, in a school environment that you don't really want to put voice control into a classroom because that could be a little problematic. Yeah. I mean, the security thing to it is definitely a, uh, thing to be mindful, but we can also use the argument of, well, you can almost guarantee every student has a smartphone on them and that's listening to everything in the room as well. Um, so that whole thing, but to make cloud really uh, like the, the voice control really work, you have to connect to a cloud service like Google, Amazon, where they're going to be processing and updating. And so you have no control over that data once it leaves your network. So that's a big security issue. Also, my thing is what prevents the system from responding to a student command? So for example, what if a faculty member walks in and goes and turns on system, say system on, and why the system's booting up, the student being funny, yells system off now yes a teacher can reprimand that student student can get in trouble but that class is still disrupted during that time so that's one thing i look at as well 
Absolutely. I, I can only imagine if you take that further and students really get a hold of what the system can do. Uh, the, the other part of that is, is the idea that different voices are maybe recognized differently. And, and then when it comes to voice control, you have to also look at the syntax. So what are those commands that it recognizes and, and what, and, and how do you say something so that the system knows that you're giving it a command? Is, is there a wake word? Is there special keywords that you have to say? It can be something that can be just as frustrating as it can be convenient. Oh yeah. I mean, think about even with that example I gave about system on, like I could go into a room and say system on, but you could go in that room and go power on the system. Now they're both doing the same thing, but now you got to, as a programmer, handle both scenarios. And I would say too, the idea that to make those the same, then you either have to believe that the AI, the artificial intelligence that's recognizing the command can understand them to be equal. Or one of the ways that you, you actually program some of these things is, is that the voice command is just a translation of what it hears. And then you have to match that up within your code to be able to say that that equates to taking this action or doing this thing, or it, it's uh, a, something that it, it should actually recognize. Yeah, agreed. Uh, some of the other ways to do uh, uh, no touch, as we mentioned before, um, can be with just motion sensors. So it, uh, there's a lot of stories told about being able to walk into a room and uh, if the room is scheduled for a certain session, class, meeting uh, for actions to be taken. Now, I, I don't disagree with how that sounds in concept, but I do have concerns with having that be a part of everyday life with the right with the with the wrong users let's say if it's somebody that's used to that and and the room is used for certain particular things that could be great but if it's not i could see that being problematic and and in the reverse um, a lot of times we try to auto shut down systems and that also becomes problematic if there aren't mechanisms in place to be able to have those edge cases where you may not, you may want an exception that day. So their overrides have to be part of it. And it becomes a, a, a an interesting scenario because you don't want somebody to feel, especially if they're afraid of the technology, feel, feel like they're being taken over or they, they, they've lost the ability to interact properly because they don't know what they can't predict what's going to happen. Yeah, you definitely don't want that kind of scenario. You want your users to come in and the technology should not be a hurdle. It should be a almost an extension of what they're trying to do. Um, and I agree with you. Having sensors to automate things would be great. But there's a lot of cases to look at. Like Even having the shutdown if the room's not being used, 
is problematic because, for example, during a final week, our classes might be two hours long where they're taking a test. And sometimes a faculty member will throw a clock up on the projector. So how do you time, like, are you going to sit there and go, okay, pull every three hours, make sure there's activity? Because like I said, if it's a two hour class, if you're pulling for an hour, it may still be being used. And then even if you throw in that whole, are you sure you want to shut down? I kind of like, you're questioning your users. Like you don't trust them that they hit a button and you yeah, I want this button to do what I want it to do. I don't want to be asked every single time I hit it. Absolutely. I, I've had plenty of situations, and, and you, that's a great example where students are sitting in one spot. There isn't motion. So even if you are looking for motion to reset a, a time clock, they may be pretty still for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that could be a case where the, the motion sensor actually fails you. Um, the, you know, some, some of the other things, uh, that I've heard people talk about, you know, can be some, some type of badging where you, you, uh, use a, a, an RFID. Um, there, there's also the idea that you, you plug in your source into a system and the system automatically powers on and you don't have to press buttons. I, you know, one of the things that I would recommend for anybody trying to do this, I'm not going to say don't do it, but one of the things is make sure that you have a means to still do some manual controls, which I think is where, where probably we'll, we'll wrap this up is the, the idea that uh, automation is great, but you still have to have some type of, of control that's direct. So you still may want, need to turn something on manually or do do some controls that allow you to interact with the system that are outside of what you're expecting. Yeah, that sounds good because automation is great until it's automated the wrong way for your users. Like you said, they could come in, plug in their laptop. 99% of the time they want that display turning on that 1% chance they might have personal information on their laptop. They don't want displayed, but you just sent it anyway. Um, unfortunately, we do have to be concerned of those 1%. Yeah, it's and it, it actually can cause a lot of frustration. So something that was intended for really good it ends up becoming, uh, a, it makes everybody look bad. Yep. And and of course it's it's always going to be that case where the the one sensitive person does that and and then you get phone calls. Oh so, yeah. Well, uh, a lesson learned and uh, something that I hope that our audience can benefit from. Uh, but you know, it it's uh, it, it's something in my mind to proceed with caution. I agree. Uh, well, I. Uh, I guess in wrapping up for today, uh, James, how can people get in touch with you and um, hear some of the things you're working on? I know that, uh, that, that you're, you've been active in, in a few areas. Oh, yeah. Um, as always, you can get me on Twitter, AV underscore James King. I'm on LinkedIn. I do write for Higher Ed AV Digital Magazine, which is higheredav.com. The column I write is IT and AV. 
I'm also a weekly member on the AV Life podcast. You can find me over there as well. So I'm, you look for me, you'll find me. And that goes back to one of our past episodes about getting involved and meeting people and, and networking in the industry. Yeah. Uh, for me, you can reach me simply at Steve Greenblatt. And uh, for both of us, just uh, let us know that you're listening. Let us know what you think. We, we, we want to hear from you. We, want, we hope that you appreciate what we're doing. And also just as the name of this is, is ask us questions because that's why we called it Ask the Programmer. But other than that, for today, that's all we have. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you soon.